Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. We are in the middle of the preseason to Easter. This year, Resurrection Sunday promises to be a very powerful time. We'll be having a uh, Friday night candlelight service. We'll be having a Saturday men's event of Easter weekend. And then on Easter Sunday, there'll be a sunrise service out here where those three crosses are, and then a a 1030 service. There may or may not be some special ministry by our children, but it's the season. It's the run-up to that that's so important. It's sort of like, as a family, when I was young, we had this huge reloading bullet ammunition reloading setup in our basement this is sort of like lent if 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 the resurrection power of jesus on sunday is like the bullet that goes out the end of the gun this season that's a terrible analogy but i'm using it anyway is the primer and the powder and the casing and the loading so what i'm suggesting to you is get loaded this Easter. And rather than give you a second sermon today, I just invite you to go to the joychurch.life webpage. I recently put a recording up there about that. It's less than 10 minutes. And and I've shared some thoughts with you about the importance of the Easter preseason this year. That having been said, I want to welcome you. I'm so glad that you are here. So Zaba. I love you so much, even those of you whom I really don't know yet. I love you so much. Now, speaking of Steve and Debbie Taylor, the last Sunday of every month, we do something called FUN, all caps, Fundamentals Sunday, where we really we really try to d- take a deep dive into some of the fundamentals, because most of the culture of this church is, ta- is teaching the the things beyond the fundamentals, imparting things beyond the fundamentals. And we need to make sure that we're covering those fundamentals. And so this being the last Sunday of February, um, dear friends, I think, how long have we known each other? 20, 20, 20, 20 to 25 years serving in different ministries and churches together. Been together out here for our, they predate us in this church. We've been here eight and a half or so years, and so uh, faithful, faithful, faithful servants, and now they get to, now we get to hear their hearts and the Holy Spirit about the basics of prayer. So please give a warm welcome and a quick prayer for these two anointed people of God. And yes, they're married to one another. Okay, we just, we want to pray first. Father, Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to speak about the basics of prayer. We thank you for what you've worked in our hearts to put together here, Lord. But if by any means, if you want to change anything and you want to speak something different, please do that. We give you all authority. You give us the ability to speak and we thank you for that. 
So, Lord, just fill our mouth with the words that you want us to speak. And we are grateful. Amen. So, yes, this morning we're going to speak about prayer. Oh, in case there's any confusion, I'm Debbie and he's Steve. Really? I just had to do something. Anyway. Just a little um, comedy, right? We're going to talk about the what, the why, the when, the where, the who, and how of prayer. Steve is going to start with what? What is prayer? Well, basically, the definition of prayer is talking to God. It is communication of our human soul with the Father who created our soul. Prayer is the primary way for believers in Jesus Christ to communicate their emotions and desires with Father God and to fellowship with Him. Prayer is the opportunity we have to spend time with Him, to share our heart, our thoughts, our feelings with the Father and the Lord. Many years ago, when I first came to know the Lord, I was taught there are four elements of prayer, which are based on a well-known form called ACTS. A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Adoration. In the Lord's Prayer, you hear, hallowed be your name. So we are praying. We're, we are giving him giving him adoration, saying, Lord, we love you and we, we know you are God. Confession. Lord, help me to speak to you, Lord, because I, I, I need to share that I have got things going on in my life that you know about, but I want to confess them to you and thank you for what you're going to do in healing it. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving speaks for itself. I thank God every moment of every day for everything he gives me. And supplication. Supplication is just asking humbly of the Father after you have adored Him, confessed Him, and given Him thanksgiving. So, now, um, Debbie is going to share a little bit on why we pray. So, when we came up with this topic... Um, we divided up all the what, where, why. We divided it up between us, but you're going to hear that so many of it crosses over. We came up with some of the same scriptures and some of the same, so it all works together. So why do we pray? When Paul prayed and asked people to pray, he expected something to happen. Do we? And this is from Philippians 1.19. Because I know that the lavish supply of the Spirit of Jesus, the Anointed One, and your intercession for me will bring about my deliverance. Prayer, why do we pray? We pray to communicate with God our Father. We pray to know Him, as we heard earlier um, during shift and during worship. We pray to seek His face, to know Him, and sometimes just to sit we can pray to express our needs and the needs of others to our Father. We can pray to confess and repent. We can pray to invite Holy Spirit into a situation. We can pray for healing. We can pray to receive anything God has for us, all his spiritual blessings. We pray to exalt, to worship, and adore him. For me, most importantly, I think, 
is to express our love for him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now Steve's going to talk about when. Oh, okay. When do we pray? I got a lot of stuff on when do you pray. The most obvious answer to the question of when do you pray is always. I was listening to a video from Bill Johnson at Bethel Church, and he said, prayer is the full-time responsibility of the believer. We are to pray without ceasing, Thessalonians 5.17 tells us. In the Passion Translation, it says, make your life a prayer. So what does it mean to pray without ceasing? When Paul says to pray without ceasing could be confusing, but Paul is not referring to nonstop talking. Rather, he wants us to have an attitude of God consciousness and surrender to God that we carry with us at all times. Every waking moment of our days are to be lived with an awareness that God is with us and that he is actively involved in and engaged in our thoughts and actions. So here's one of those scriptures that cross over. In Philippians 4, 6, Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Paul says to the believers in Colossians, be faithful to pray as intercessors who are fully alert and give giving thanks to God. And finally, Paul exhorts the Ephesians believers to see prayer as a weapon in fighting spiritual battles. In Ephesians 6.18, it says, pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. So as we go through the day, prayer should be our first response to every fearful situation, every anxious thought, every task that God commands. A lack of prayer will cause us to demand, depend, I mean, not demand, depend on ourselves instead of depending on God's grace. I am sure I am not the only one that has sometimes not done, has done this thing of not walking with God. Unceasing prayer is, in essence, continual dependence upon and communion with the Father, with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. For us as believers and followers of Christ, prayer should be like breathing. We heard that in the song that they sang earlier out, God, breathe on me. We do not have to think about breathing because the atmosphere exerts pressure on our lungs and essentially forces us to breathe. So as believers, we have all entered into the atmosphere of prayer. So we need to breathe the air of prayer. Unfortunately, many believers hold their spiritual breath for long periods of time, thinking that brief moments with God are sufficient to allow them to survive. I know I have held my breath for periods of time that were too long at times in my life. When we hold our breath, we are depending on ourselves too much. 
and restricting our spiritual intake. The fact is that every believer must be continually in the presence of God, constantly breathing in his truths to be fully functional. This morning, I would like to take a few moments to take a look at some scriptures with you so that we can see more about how the Bible answers the question, when do we pray? The Bible has a lot to say about prayer, but I only want to share some short answers from the Word of God. It says, in the times of affliction and distress, we are to pray when we feel a great need to pray. Maybe you are facing a situation beyond your control and realize that God is your only hope. In truth, that is our situation at all times, but we are not always mindful that we live moment by moment in dependence on God. So God, in his kindness, will sometimes allow trials to cross our path and simply to remind us of who he is. In his great abundance, provision, power, and faithfulness, so that we will remember and seek him in prayer. We see an example of this in Psalms 102, verse 1 and 2, where it says, Lord, listen to my prayer. Listen to my cry for help. You can't hide your face from me in this day of distress. Stoop down to hear my prayer and answer me quickly. I'm going to share a little short part of my testimony with you. In June of 1990, I was arrested for a felony DUI, and I was sitting in jail, um, and I was very distressed. I thought with my history, um, I was going to be go to prison. I cried out to God at that time, and I heard my he heard my prayer. He set me free from a life of drug and alcohol abuse, and I did not go to prison. Praise God. He had a better thing for me to do, and that's be here. In times of and blessing, to be married to me. Huh? <laughs> I would have never known you. I would have never known her. What an awesome nope. blessing. Also, in times of blessing and prosperity, I think the Lord has told us not to reserve our prayers for times. Um, for times when God answers us and gives us thanks, gives give thanks as well. When we, when our heavenly Father is good to us, we are to remember, and give thanks. We see this all throughout one, Psalms 107. I just want to read you one of the scriptures. Psalms 107, uh, 8 and 9, it says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Then there's then God says um, to pray morning, noon, evening, and night. Scripture encourages us to make a practice of beginning the day with prayer. In Psalms 5, 1 through 3, it says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. We see an example of this in the life of Jesus. In Mark 135, Scripture says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. This would be the equivalent of our quiet place. 
Another time of day is when we are encouraged to go to prayer is in the evening as we prepare to end the day. Scripture talks about Jesus praying in the evening. In Matthew 14, 23, he says, After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came and he was there alone, he prayed. In Psalms 92, 1 and 2, it says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, and to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. So each morning we rejoice that God's mercies are new each day, and each night we rejoice that he has been faithful in bringing us through another day. Peter prayed at noon. The next day, as the, they were up on, the, on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour, which was noon, to pray 10-9. This also was Daniel's practice. In the Old Testament, it says in Daniel 6.10 that he would kneel down in his room and he was faced towards Jerusalem and he would pray three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. He was disciplined enough in his prayer life that his enemies used this consistency to trap him and have him cast into the lion's den. In Paul's life, the Bible says he prayed night and day. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. That's Luke 6, 12. I know there's a lot of scriptures there, but I just want to share with you guys how God, the Bible tells us to pray so many different times. As God burdens us, he tells us to pray. In Second Chronicles, Chronicles, Solomon prays for the nation of Israel at the dedication of the temple. Solomon is, is burdened. He knows that there will be times when the people will cry out to God. Individually, as a nation, he prays that God will be merciful and hear their prayers and answer. Each one of us have our own burdens, our own grief, our own concerns that weigh upon our hearts. As God impresses these things upon us, we should look to him in prayer. This gives urgency to our prayers. We are to pray while God may be found and he's always there to be found Jesus taught his disciples that we should always pray and not lose heart we are to be urgent and diligent in our prayers today is a day of salvation today we must pray John already told you but on Saturday mornings every week a group of men meet specifically to pray for what burdens us and, any, and anything else that the Holy Spirit brings to our minds. We pray for, the, for marriages and relationships. We pray for addiction. We pray for this region. We pray for the nation. We pray for many more things. Whatever the Lord brings to our mind. On Saturday night, many of us meet for seek and we pray. And whatever he wants to show us or say to us. And Sunday morning at shift, we pray for the Holy Spirit to change the atmosphere and move powerfully in people's lives as soon as they enter the property. Some of you were here this morning and experienced that. In summary, when you take all the passages together and everything that I've shared, prayer should be something that envelops our life. 
The difficulty comes, however, when we try to live this out. Even though we see abundant testimony in God's word calling us to pray, we so often fall short. We are so easily distracted and caught up in other pursuits. We don't give God the thought and the time that we need to. So that's all I had on when to pray. Debbie will share on where do we pray. So where do we pray? In short, we can pray anywhere and everywhere. We may have a special place for daily time of prayer like a prayer closet. Or like me, maybe you have a place at your dining room table uh, where I sit and pray um, every morning. In the summertime, I like to sit on my back patio. And I'm an empty nester, and I can get away with this with no interruptions. <laughs> Matthew 6, 6. When you, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. We can pray at mealtimes. We can pray in the car on the way to work, on the way into Reno. We can pray when taking a walk. How about praying in the shower or when you're doing the dishes? Moms and dads of little ones, do you try to find a quiet place where you can get alone for a few minutes? Like in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good place. <laughs> the moms are laughing. In the shower. They do. What if we just pray aloud during some of these times, letting others hear us? Okay, maybe walking down the street praying aloud would draw some interesting glances, but who cares? Who cares? Who cares? As Steve quoted in Acts 10.9, Peter went on the roof to pray. I've never done that. Yesterday we went and saw Jesus' revelation. I'm not going to give any spoiler alerts. But they, in, they were in Newport Beach. They prayed on the beach. They baptized in the ocean. Anywhere. That's my point. Pray anywhere and everywhere you feel led or see a need. You can pray in Walmart if you see someone struggling. Pray for them, silently or aloud. Yep. I don't know of any place where we could not pray. Okay, now Steve's going to do the who. Don't worry, you're going to hear more of me later. Yes, a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so who do we pray to? Um, I don't know if anybody else has struggled with this. But sometimes I have thought, should I pray to Jesus or to the Spirit or to the Father? But in Matthew 6, it's very clear. Jesus tells us, but whenever you pray, go into your innermost chamber, and a quiet place, and be alone with Father God. Praying, praying to Jesus, praying to Jesus goes on in the chapter to teach us I think I list, left something out there. Um, Debbie will, so we talk, talks more about this in the Lord's Prayer. But um, Debbie will share more about the Lord's Prayer later. I also found something written by John Piper, which says, praying to Father God in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name or by the authority of Jesus the Christ is the Trinitarian structure of prayer in the Bible. Jesus put it totally plainly. In John 15, 16, he says, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Most of my life as a believer, I prayed directly to Jesus. So is this wrong? In John 14, 13, Jesus says, For I will do whatever you ask me to do 
when you ask me in my father's name in my name that is how the son will show what the father is really like and bring glory to him so you see this can be confusing but in conclusion let your normal regular praying be to the father through the spirit in the name of jesus but realize that jesus and the holy spirit are persons too and to speak to them cannot be unnatural debbie will now talk a little bit on the how we pray we will both share some on how we pray but debbie's going to start first off oh how do we pray i have to ask the question first off Prayer is not answered because we get on our knees or use eloquent speech or because our eyes are open or shut. Prayer is answered because of our faith in God and because of his goodness. That's from Joyce Meyer. Eyes open, eyes closed, standing, sitting, or kneeling. God sees our heart. It doesn't matter how we come, just that we come. In Paul's letters to the churches he was ministering to, he always included prayer. He wrote seven to seven churches over 14 years. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. Paul is a great example of how to follow, example to follow and how to pray. At least I think so. Joyce Meyer talks about a time when she studied Paul's prayers. She did not find one time where Paul asked God to remove people's problems. Instead, he prayed that God would empower them to endure whatever they had to face and to keep a good attitude in the midst of it. Paul prayed for spiritual growth and strength and for spiritual blessings that would help the believers. And here are a couple of these prayers. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. I also want to look at the Lord's Prayer. Many of you know I did a pretty in-depth study on the Lord's Prayer. Unfortunately, I don't have time to go over it, but all of it, but I'm going to do a brief. In these scriptures, Jesus gives us a guide on how to pray. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, and I'm reading it in the Passion. He said, pray like this. Our beloved Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from the evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. I actually pray this every morning. I did some research on different versions. I had learned a different version, which I found was not exactly from scripture. 
So I read through different versions and found I liked the Passion. So I relearned it. It was hard <laughs> to switch it up in my head, but I did it. I would like to go through the prayer with you. A lot of what I am sharing is from the book Living the Lord's Prayer. Starting with the first words, Our Father. Steve sta stated we pray to the Father, but why? So our, in the prayer, speaks to community. We are not alone in this. Me or my produces isolation. Ours is the language of inclusion. With our, prayer becomes a corporate act, no longer me and God, but us and God, or even better, each of us with each other and with God. Unlike the prayers we hear so often today that be begin with, Dear God, Jesus challenges us, his hearers, by teaching to pray, Our Father. There is nothing impersonal here. Father denotes intimacy. When we call God Father, Abba, we affirm something foundational about him and ourselves. Abba, a term of belonging and connection, of love. Why would we use a generic impersonal name when we could use a special name that only a beloved child could use? Our Father. These words bind us together as family and refuses to validate a private faith. We are a new community, a family to which we now belong. In the heavens, our vision of the heavenly realm can get us through the hardest times. It births hope during hardship and encourages faith. The opening words of the prayer set the tone for everything that follows. Our calls us into community. Father invites us into intimacy. Now in the heavens adds to that foundation. It speaks of the Father's majesty and his closeness. God does not hold his blessings for the hereafter. He blesses us in every realm at every time because of Christ. Hallowed be your name. Once we agree to pursue community, intimacy with the Father, and awareness of the spiritual, we need, to, we need instruction on the practical steps. The first step, according to Jesus, has to do with God's holiness. Hallowed expresses a fact. God's name, his character, is separate and different from ours. Yes. Hallowing and linked is linked closely with glorifying. We hallow with adoration, with lives of obedience and surrender. We pray that he might be glorified and honored with our lives. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We must pursue holiness. Your kingdom come. With this phrase, we are challenged to pursue God's kingdom. We invite his kingdom to take priority. We surrender. Philippians 3, 8 through 11, what is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Doo-doo, like Tim said this morning. Yeah, doo-doo. <laughs> that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not <laughs> having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Your kingdom come says, I want to know Christ Jesus as my Lord. Above all else, I want to gain Christ and know him. 
we lay down our personal agendas. We cannot build our private empires and his eternal kingdom at the same time. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This calls us to surrender, unconditional surrender. Jesus calls us to simply trust him. We don't need to know all the details or where we are headed. This challenges us to let the Father do the steering, to take the wheel. Life is not about what we make of it, but what he makes of it. Give us this day our daily bread. This phrase reminds us that the spiritual and the physical are not separate. Everything about the life of Jesus combined the two seamlessly. Do we focus too much on our future needs and not on our daily needs? Do we have enough for today? Does our lack of daily need contribute to a daily neglect of the Father? Daily bread provided by the Father ought to be enough. I look around my home, my closet, my freezer, my pantry. I have more than enough for today. Am I using what the Father has provided me to help others who lack? For me, sometimes, I can do better. Remember the word our? This is a prayer for all who would pray it together. Help us with what we need today so that we might help others who need, whose needs will not be met today. And Gandhi said, live simply that others might simply live. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Does this contradict the unconditional love of God? It seems to. Will he really not forgive us if we don't forgive? The word says in Ephesians 1.7, Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. The total cancellation of our, our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. So no. He doesn't say that. Jesus uses this opportunity to affirm that kingdom life thrives when we both forgive and receive forgiveness. Should we, can we, ask for grace with no intention of extending grace to others? Jesus invites us into a culture of forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness frees us. There's a lot more to forgiveness that I would love to share about yes. I don't have time. Matthew West's song, Forgiveness. If you've never heard it, never listened to it, I encourage you to do so. I listened to it again when I was preparing this. And here's just one verse I'm going to quote, if I can get through it. It'll clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you, me. It's okay. I've experienced this in my life. Thank you. Okay. Done with that. Yeah. Lead us not into testing, but deliver us from the evil. God does not seduce us into sin. So temptation, some versions say temptation, 
Some say a test. It's 10.13. I'm going to read it in the Passion and in the ESV. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more, for along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. No temptation has, has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will test us to refine us. As we live a life of trust and obedience, the tests become fewer. Lead us not into te testing could also be lead us into a deeper faith. Deliver us from the evil. He does. By transforming the home of evil in our hearts. Name the evil, the sin when you pray. It has many names. Anger, lust, greed, pride, indifference. I'm sure you can think of many more. Naming the evil is the first step to deliverance. Naming your sin is not to bring shame, but to bring freedom. James 5.16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed or set free. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. As we give up our own pursuit of power and glory, we can know the freedom of God's kingdom. True freedom comes when we surrender power to the Lord. The Bible is not about how God fits into our story, but about how we fit into his. The only kingdom that matters is his. All power rests in him. All glory belongs to him. We cannot exalt ourselves and elevate the Father at the same time. He takes our lives and carries out his purpose. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory reminds us to surrender control and trust him. And as our pastor John says, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And the final word, amen. Amen. It means agree, good word. I've heard a few of you say amen a couple times. But amen has great significance. Yes, At does. the very least, it is a powerful yes to the Father. Amen expresses acknowledgement, agreement, commitment, and confidence. Eugene Peterson writes, Amen is recurrent and emphatic among God's people. It is robust and exuberant. There is nothing cowering, cautious, or timid in it. It is an answering word purged of all negatives. When we Christians say or sing or shout, Amen, God hears our unequivocating assent to his irrevocable yes to us, the yes of our Redeemer Lamb and the yes of our Creator King. Live in the yes. Yes, we belong to him. Yes, he cares for us. Yes, he guards our soul. Yes, he secures eternity. Yes, we live in that. Amen. Amen. Steve has some final words. Okay, I have some more on how. A little bit of um, basic stuff. Prayer is not meditation or passive reflection. 
I can remember asking this question when I first came to the Lord. How do I pray? Well, I, told, I was told what I later told my little sister. Just start talking to God like you were standing here talking to your best friend. He is your best friend, right? But he is also holy and he loves us more than anyone. There are different types of prayer I found. The prayer of protection, the prayer of transformation, the prayer of restoration, and the prayer of healing. An example of a transformational prayer is cover me with your Holy Spirit, O God. Draw me to greater faith in him who is able to do all things. According to your eternal mercy and establish, strengthen, and reconcile me in Christ. Transform me, permit me to set my mind on things above according to the revelation of your word and spirit. An example of restoration. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Protection example of our protection prayer is, Lord God, I pray for your protection as I begin this day. Or as Debbie and I do at night every night, we pray for protection over us, our family, our church family, our um, our home, everything that we have, we pray for protection over. You are my hiding place, and under your wing I can always find refuge. Protect me from trouble where I go and keep evil far from me. Healing. Healing. I use the same prayer that Debbie just used. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed for tremendous power is released through the passionate heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. So sometimes God doesn't seem to answer prayer. You might be left feeling discouraged or heartbroken or confused because prayer healing didn't happen right that moment. But that doesn't mean God's not going to work in your life. Sometimes life gets so tough that I know I need to pray, but words fail me. When I don't know what else to pray, I turn to the Bible and I pray scripture as the Holy Spirit brings it to my mind. I just had this happen to me a few days ago when my niece texted me and she texted Debbie asking for prayer. At first, my words failed, but the Holy Spirit brought to my mind John 14, 11 through 14. I want to read this to you. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. For I, or at last, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the same works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name. So I shared this. I prayed the words, um, and I, I shared them with her. Um, some of you know her. She's a powerful woman of God. She was here last summer. She was working with the women at Awaken. However, she has been dealing with Lyme's disease for many years. 
and has had a great deal of suffering. She has times where she's okay and able to live her life normally, but there are others when she is unable to do anything. My niece has been praying for healing. She has asked other believers to pray, and we have prayed for her here at Joy Church. I only share this to show an example of how even if you totally and fully believe and trust in God, there will be times of discouragement. I can share a few personal examples of times that I've struggled with my back pain and my lungs and and have not seen healing right away. So I got discouraged, but I kept on praying and I kept going and asking for prayer. And I'm going to keep going and asking for prayer because I believe God is healing me, whether he's that's manifested now or whether it's manifested before I go to heaven. I don't know, but he's going to heal me. I've seen this happen in my life. God healed me from hepatitis C when there was no healing of hepatitis C. There was no healing. You could go into remission, but there was nothing that could cause it to be healed. It would just go into remission. And they gave you very low percentages, like 10 to 25%. But God, healed me completely of hep C. So it works. Um, sometimes he manifests it right away and sometimes he doesn't. Turning God's word into first person prayer has been seen me through some very dark times. When I am struggling for words, I have not found a better way to pray than to use his own words in the Bible. By praying scripture, I have found new ways to talk to God. And he has used it to renew my mind and heart in the process. Scripture says in Philippians 4.8, Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and authentic, and no, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Sometimes God puts us in a place where we cry out to him in desperation so he can strengthen us to step into our full destiny. We see this in Psalms 139, 23 and 24 where King David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He loves to do things through us and not just for us. Receive power for your journey as you learn to discern those moments and offer yourself strength as you pray in the Spirit. Paul said he prayed in the Spirit more than anyone. So if you have been blessed with your prayer language, it is a good time. To, it's good to use it because it's a direct conversation between your spirit and the Father. Praying in the Spirit will be another teaching at another time. When I first came to know the Lord, the first prayer I ever learned was a serenity prayer. You see, the Lord saved me out of addiction, and I learned it in AA. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I can't change everything about people. I can't change how people think about me. I can't change what people do to me. But the courage to change the things I, did, I can, 
the things I can change is how I react, how I, how I deal with it, how I, um, do I allow what people think of me to really take me down? No. And then know the difference. Um, the wisdom to know the difference. I'm sure most of you have heard this short prayer. Some of you, maybe not. But I did not know there's a lot more to this prayer. In Celebrate Recovery Program, this entire prayer is said at every meeting. And at one time uh, in my life, I memorized the entire prayer and I recited it daily. It was very important to me in my life at that time. The entire serenity prayer goes as follows. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time. Enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he, Jesus, will make all things right if I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Biblically speaking, I believe there are some excellent thoughts expressed in this prayer and maybe may very well be something Christians can pray and meditate on. So the last thing I wanted to share is, so how does God answer our prayers? Is God a gumball machine? Is he, is he somebody that just is a magical being who gives us whatever we ask, whatever we want? We, I want a Lamborghini, I want a new house, whatever. Is he one of those? Is he that kind of guy? Um, he'll give us what we want if we say, if we ask and trust in him, knowing that he always wants what is best for us. In John 1, 5, 14, and 15, it says, Since we have this confidence, we can also have great boldness before him. For we ask anything agreeable to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we also know that we have obtained the requests we ask him. The meaning of God giving us desires of our hearts is a phrase that is connected to our desire to live in the will of God. God does not give us desires that are hurtful to us or to others. That's all I have. Thank you. I want to let you guys know um, is there, if there is anyone that would like prayer, there are people here that will pray with you. Debbie and I will be up here. Um, and if you want to come up here and receive prayer, we'll be here to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.